As established PE behemoths capture an ever-growing share of capital allocations, is there any hope for plucky new funds on the block? How can emerging managers entice prospective LPs to back them? What level of support do new GPs need? And what practical considerations can be overlooked? We talk all things first-time funds with Fund Admin Specialist JTC in this episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello listeners, and a very warm welcome to this latest episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. I'm Greg Gilles, the editor of Unquote, and I will be your host today. This episode is brought to you by JTC. JTC is a publicly listed global professional services business with deep expertise in fund, corporate, and private client services. The company was founded in 1987 and has grown to have a global presence, employing 1,200 staff and reaching assets under administration of $180 billion. We'll be speaking to Vincent van den Brink and Greg Koch, who are both based in Luxembourg. JTC's Luxembourg office offers fund administration, corporate administration, third-party AAFM, depository and transfer agency services for clients across the continent and worldwide. This week, we're going to talk all things first-time funds. There have certainly been some incredible success stories with debut managers in the past few years, but by and large, the consensus is that they have faced an uphill battle at times, as LPs have gravitated towards name brands and deploying bigger tickets with existing relationships to meet allocation targets. And that's before we even talk of the impact of the pandemic on developing said relationships. To see how recent months have impacted that dynamic, I'm going to turn to my esteemed guests. Greg, Vincent, a pleasure to have you joining the podcast this week. So first of all, gentlemen, could you introduce yourselves in a bit more detail for our listeners? Uh, certainly. Uh, so this is Greg speaking. I, uh, I will go first. Um, as Greg said, I am the, the group head of AIFM or Management Company Services for JTC, uh, essentially meaning that uh, the management company product uh, is, uh, is part of my overall remit. Uh, we have a, a global management company uh, platform where we operate licensed uh, and regulated AIFM and Manco businesses out of a number of uh, jurisdictions, uh, all of whom ultimately you know, filter up to me. Thank you very much, Greg. And what about you, Vincent? Yes, so uh, I'm Vincent. Um, I am a commercial director here for JTC in Luxembourg uh, with a main focus on, on business development, but also Onboarding, onboarding of uh, clients uh, with a focus on real estate, private equity, uh, venture capital, infrastructure, and uh, debt-related funds. And I basically help them to navigate through the uh, setup of their fund structures here in Luxembourg. So that's a bit me in a nutshell. Excellent. Thank you very much to you both. And again, uh, well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll get straight into it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a big theme over the past couple of years for us on the editorial side anyway, has been how a handful of established GPs have acted as sort of big magnets for, for large amounts of capital. Uh, and there were signs that emerging managers were struggling perhaps to get their foot in the door with LPs. And that was even before the pandemic. Um, so I guess what's interesting from our perspective is how have you seen the situation evolve in the last year? Do you think things have gotten better for debut managers? Do you think things have gotten worse? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think what uh, this is what what we see, or at least what I have seen, uh, is that indeed COVID has made it harder for uh, limited partners uh, to invest in emerging fund managers. 
Um, but um, um, in, 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 in general, if I look at our book of business, we have seen um, managers or first-time managers to find very creative solutions uh, for fundraising, especially for their new uh, first funds. Uh, but indeed, we have seen managers uh, also struggling with uh, fundraising, uh, even to find enough money um, to um, do the first closing. Um, I think what we have seen is that the investors takes more time um, to uh, do their due diligence and to select the funds they invest in very carefully. Um, and um, I think what also makes it much more difficult for first-time fund managers to raise capital is uh, the current travel ban uh, around the world, uh, unable to see uh, the investors directly, but also the LPs are unable to perform their uh, on-site diligence on, the man, uh, on their managers. Um, so ev I think everything needs to happen virtually, uh, which is still not um, ideal. So I think what, what we see um, as a general note is that if LPs invest in first-time fund managers, um, is uh, they don't want to get a kind of discount or they want to have the possibility to do co-investment with them. Uh, and sometimes even we see that the larger LPs demand a lower management fee. Um, I think that, I don't know, Greg, if you have anything to, to add to that part? Yeah, just uh, a, a couple of additional thoughts on this. You know, I think Vincent's comments are, you know, you know well put um, in general terms. Uh, what, you know, a couple of exceptions to this really uh, that are asset class specific and uh, and relate directly to opportunities. I think that uh, that managers uh, have found during the lockdown period. You know, one in particular in the early part of the the COVID pandemic was uh, we saw a, a surge in the in the private debt space. And uh, now that's subsequently sort of tapered off a little bit. Uh, but one other one which is really noteworthy. Uh, is managers uh, that either target impact investments or have a strong uh, ESG theme uh, to their uh, strategy. Uh, you know, by, by the very nature of these fund managers, they are emerging. And, uh, and so, you know, they are all uh, essentially, you know, first-time fund managers. And we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of them have significant success over the last uh, year or so. Uh, in the build-up to the uh, the SFDR as well, and, and just a general market theme towards ESG. Absolutely, and that's um, that's actually brings me quite neatly to uh, another question that I had for you, which is to to what extent do you think market dynamics should theoretically make it easier for managers to start their own firms? You know, compared to say a decade ago, because obviously you've just mentioned a few specific strategies that have really boomed in in recent years and and even recent month, even uh, on the back of the pandemic, as as you said. Um, so my take would be that that there should be plenty of opportunities for, for new people to come in into this space. But uh, uh, conversely, do you think there are still high barriers to entry with, with the regards to, you know, the fundraising model, the, the constraint of fundraising and, and the, the, the way that private equity allocation currently works in, in, in the market that, that make it um, more of an uphill battle? It's, it's an interesting question because there are, you know, in, 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 some, uh, in some ways the uh, the the market dynamics are improving, you know, for fund managers generally in terms of raising you know, capital. And by that I mean, you know, uh, from a regulatory point of view, you now have uh, the opportunity to use uh, third-party AIFM uh, businesses such as the one we we have at JTC, and 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 gain access to European and other markets 
in a much you know easier you know manner. Uh, these AI firms also, you know, support the the fundraising efforts, uh, you know, of these uh, these managers and, and sort of guide them through the uh, initial processes of, of of dealing with with marketing in multiple jurisdictions. Uh, that is, you know, uh, in 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 uh, uh, in relation to something like the national private placement regime, uh, is is a much uh, much more streamlined approach towards you know fund fundraising. If I look at this the other way, though, uh, the, the, you know, as the flip side to that coin is, there is an increasing amount of regulation around the uh, the area of marketing and distribution at a at a European level. So um, we do see that, uh, you know, and it is something that first time managers, particularly those that are non not European, uh, you know, based managers, really sh- struggle to come to terms with. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how these dynamics, uh, you know, work themselves out. Vincent? Yeah, no, I, I think to, to add what is always important for, for the, 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 let's say it, the unreasonable barriers to entry, I think what is very important and what we always suggest to all our um, um, clients and prospective clients is at least have a discussion with the lawyers, choosing the right jurisdiction, choosing the right regulatory approach, um, and, and indeed have make clear how you would like to market or distribute your funds. Like what Greg said is whether or not you want to use the national private placement rules or whether indeed the, the third party AFM would make uh, most sense. Um, and I think in general, what we at JTC have very fast experience with, with hand-holding first-time fund managers uh, and explaining and navigating them to the sometimes uh, complex regulatory field here in uh, in Luxembourg and just to make sure that they set up the uh, the fund in an, in an efficient uh, manner absolutely that that makes sense I, I think we'll come back to that a little bit later as well when it comes to the the extent of advice that you, that you provide to first time managers um i just wanted to to flip to the other side of, of the equation for a second and get your thoughts on the sort of the lp lp side of things um some market participants sometimes, especially if, if they tend to be invested in first-time funds and see the benefits, uh, suggest that there could be more education maybe among LPs for, for investing in first-time funds. Um, do you think do you think that's the case? Do you think there's a lot of uh, you know people not investing in this uh, in this space or in this type of GP, perhaps out of you know not being used to it or not understanding the, the benefits? Um, do you do you encounter do you encounter that? And, and how would you kind of solve that problem? So let, let me let me jump in. So so we, we do see that most uh, sort of uh, new or debut managers, are, you know, communicate very well with their their LPs. And so when you talk about education of the LBs, you know, I think that it can happen at two levels. One is uh, from the GPs or, or managers themselves in guiding their their LPs, uh, you know, through through the in, in initial investment process. The other, you know, frankly, is the service providers. Um, and this is where you know, for me, I think you 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 gain a significant benefit by dealing with a, a multi-service provider uh, that can that can give advice and guidance to these uh, to these LPs, or uh, you know you know across the spectrum of, of issues that are faced in in a, in a first-time investment in an emerging manager. Exactly. Uh, in, in, indeed, I agree with you. Greg, I think it's also the, the role, in a way, of a service provider to get, of course, with the first-time uh, fund manager is to um, educate the, the LPs in a way, but also definitely to make sure that um, 
the um, LPs get what they expect to receive from um, from the first-time fund managers in terms of reporting, but also to explain them how the onboarding would work uh, to to um, uh, to add them or to admit them to the uh, the fund uh, that they're planning to set up. Uh, absolutely, that that totally makes sense. And uh, I, I think when it comes to that issue of communication, when you uh, when you speak to debut managers, either you know uh, just a prospective uh, stage, or indeed when they are your your, your clients, um, to what extent do you th- do you find that they need? support in managing communications with with LPs it, obviously at, at the fundraising stage for, for sure but even beyond that and, and obviously that's been uh, increasingly important in recent years and perhaps one could think that one of the reasons why uh, you know name brands and and multi strategy managers have have done so well in the current fundraising environment is because they they in very often they they have that lockdown you know, they've got dedicated ir functions they're very on top of the reporting of the communication which could be perhaps uh, not the case with, with the debut managers. W- to what extent do you have to do a lot of work with uh, with first time funds in in, in that uh, in that area? I think from from I think it's just in general. I think most of the first time managers are very well capable of of communicating with their uh, LPs, um, and we think, or at least what we see with with our own uh, clients' funds, is that. Um, um, their LPs are key for them. So it's very important for them uh, that they do the communication with the LP and we merely support the L- or the, the first-time fund managers from an operational perspective. So really, like as, as I mentioned before, is uh, make sure that the LP gets the report, but also to explain the first-time fund manager uh, on how we do our uh, investor onboarding and the way how we would communicate with their investor. But the overall relationship with such an LP uh, would lay with the uh, the first-time fund manager. Mm-hmm. But of course, yeah. uh, sometimes we see that, that, that the LPs ask questions to us as service provider uh, just to make sure that everything happens uh, as smooth as possible. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, the overwhelming experience we have is that the GPs absolutely know their asset class uh, and in most cases um, have, you know, quite good relationships already established with many of the LPs, which they guard quite, you know, closely. And and so they should. Um, one thing I would, you know, add on this, though, is, you know, where, where I do see us providing uh, support is in, in, in sort of educating the GPs on the uh, the marketing versus pre-marketing uh, question. In other words, okay. when are they able to fully communicate uh, and and fully market a fund uh, to their LPs versus when is it uh, you know important that they are not sharing too much information to to to, to fall into you know some kind of uh, unwanted regulatory trap. I see. Is there sometimes a bit of over eagerness to uh, to sort of promote the, the new firm and 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 the, and the new funds? Uh, do you think people will get a little bit too enthusiastic? Well, I think GPs are always you know very interested in in lining up their LPs very early on, as as, as soon as they can. They want to do that, and you know uh, you know if they can do that in, in the lead up to uh, you know a, a fund fund launch, you know even in a, in a in a soft way, they would they would do that. The, the, the trouble is with the marketing laws, you have to be careful sometimes, you know, not to be seen as, you know, fully marketing a fund that's not, uh, 
and that's not been fully registered with the relevant uh, uh, regulatory authority. Yes, and I also think uh, to 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 add on, not only from a marketing perspective, but in, in general, is that uh, not, not so much on the LP side, but it's to educate the first-time fund managers in a way uh, to uh, explain them how they or what they can communicate to the LPs and what not, or how they should proceed. Uh, for example, if they want to make uh, an, an investment or they want to seek approval from the investors, uh, we need to always uh, make sure that all uh, regulatory and governance uh, point of views has been taken into consideration. So it's also, I think, up to us as a service provider in a way is uh, educating the uh, first-time fund managers uh, and to make sure that the uh, LPs, in a way, are are satisfied with the information they are getting from the uh, from the manager. Absolutely. Um, and to pivot to no- another area of uh, of service, um, and you've you've mentioned that earlier on, uh, uh, one of the the earlier questions, uh, the issue of of domiciliation, um, and which therefore I, I assume is is something that you broach uh, as a fairly standard uh, approach with uh, with with new clients or, or even repeat clients, really, when they set up a new fund. Um, what sort of advice would you give? Would you give any advice, really, to debut managers on where they should domicile their funds? Um, is, is that something that tends to come up from them fairly often in terms of uh, an area of advice that they're looking for? And and if we're looking at the current environment, what are sort of the, the top considerations that you would look at uh, to help them decide where they're, where they're going to be domiciled? Yeah, I think the the choice of of, of domiciling their fund is uh, in a way not up to us. Uh, we can always uh, provide uh, suggestions, but often what we see is that first time fund managers reach out to their uh, legal or tax counsel mm-hmm. uh, to discuss the structure. But I think what is very important um, is the domicile of the fund uh, because some investors, and then again you end up with the with the LPs, have certain preference for certain jurisdictions. So it does not only start what is the preference of the GP to have their fund in, but also what is the pre- what is the preference of future LPs uh, in order to avoid uh, that that some jurisdiction might be perceived as, uh, let's call it wrong jurisdictions. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In most cases, you know, when we engage in initial conversations with with GPs, they have uh, at the very least done. Uh, their own homework on 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 domicile already and and drawn some early stage conclusions or uh, in other cases they've already engaged uh, legal counsel that have advised advised them on on what the uh, appropriate domicile for their uh, their fund is for a, from a uh, I guess a, a practical even tax efficiency you know point of view. Yeah, and 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 for us as JTC it does not really matter because we. Uh, can assist our uh, clients or prospective clients throughout most uh, fund uh, jurisdictions in the world. Um, so we always try to uh, find a solution which is most efficient and effective for our clients. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, another area, perhaps, of, of advice that, that you could uh, that you could provide, and I think that that goes more towards the long term. And again, one of the big 
trends obviously we've seen for, for debut funds is that no fund is truly a first time fund. If, if you know what I mean, very often it will be people spinning out from established funds and, and perhaps thinking of that process, you know, fairly early on in their career, having an eye on launching their own firm and, and raising their own first time funds. Um, if you were talking to a young you know, PE exec uh, that was thinking of one day starting uh, his or her own, own firm, what are some actions you think they can take over the career to facilitate that process and, and to build a, a, you know, a track record and, and, and uh, experience that will help them do that? Yeah, I think, I think track record is, is obviously very important uh, from a, certainly from a fundraising point of view. Um, I would say for, you know, for somebody to gain experience uh, you know, with as many LPs as possible and, and build those relationships, that is important. But, but moreover, I would say my, my, my most sincere advice to, to anybody starting out you know, the, on the PE journey would be to to get you know really spend time understanding the the, the more operational or, re- or regulatory side of the business uh, because when it comes to setting up their first fund those are typically the areas <laughs> that are going to slow things down and really frustrate them you know if they don't have that uh, background experience in those areas. Yeah, I, th- I think it's what you already mentioned before is that um, often they're in the larger PE firms and they do a spin out and they have been focusing mainly all their life on portfolio management and then suddenly they get a lot of other tasks, legal, tax, regulatory, governance uh, items on their plate. So I think it's, 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 it's very important if they, want, want to, if they want to set up their own fund once is to get very broad um, uh, experience and understanding of the, the regulatory framework here in uh, in Europe. Uh, but so again, I think my advice would be is to find your find yourself a very good and trustworthy service provider and legal counsel that will be able to assist you. Um, and I think what what we see um, again in our uh, book of business is that most first-time fund managers. Uh, first, they start small by building up a track record, doing some um, uh, co-investment deals with some other um, LPs. And then they, if that all goes successful, they will start launching their so-called first fund. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sometimes the devil is in the unglamorous detail. And uh, either you need to, uh, to to pay attention to that early on or indeed, as you said, uh, start working with, with people whose, whose uh, job it is to actually support you in that. And I think... I mean, obviously, throughout throughout this, you, you've made a, I think, a fairly convincing case as as to why people uh, can use a fund administrator to to help. Uh, but maybe you have, you know, some more um, kind of top, you know, top level reasons why you think people should do that. Uh, some, something else as well, I wanted to to uh, bring to you, uh, and that's uh, testing your pitch a little bit here, and maybe playing devil's advocate. Uh, when you do encounter GPs that that decide against using a fund administrator, what's what are the reasons they they would provide, and how do you how do you respond to that? How do you pivot to actually bringing out the reasons why they should? Yeah, yeah, maybe I, I I'll have a first stab at, at this one. You know, it's 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 interesting because these first time fund managers, you know, really, you know, most of them, you know, have the belief in in most instances that they can handle fund operations themselves. And uh, in most cases, that's a naive, uh, you know, sort of viewpoint uh, because they, uh, you know, they've never had exposure to the nitty gritty stuff. And, uh, and so make the mistake of, 
of of thinking that it's uh, easier than it really is. Um, so that's reason number one is is they think they can do it themselves. The the, the other reason, of course, is is uh, sensitivity to cost. Uh, you know, these first-time fund managers, you know, their imperative, you know, is really to keep, you know, their first fund as lean as possible. Um, and so they are price sensitive, uh, you know, and 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 oftentimes get sticker shock when they uh, when they get the uh, sort of fee proposals, uh, you know, that, that come along with all of the you know, the vast sort of uh, array of administrative services. Um, and then, you know, I would say the 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 other one that I would mention is that uh, is where uh, you know they, there's not a requirement from an investor point of view uh, for either the the heavy uh, sort of oversight and regulation that's associated with an AIFM or management company. Uh, so there's no there's no driving force, you know, uh, behind the GP, you know, pushing him in the direction of uh, a, you know a, a fund administration you know, services. So those are my thoughts. But perhaps Vincent may have something more. Yeah, I think I would look. I would look at the the pros of of using an, an, a fund administrator uh, in a way uh, like ourselves um, is of course in peace of mind, uh, uh, governance, experience, but also knowledge of local rules and regulations. Uh, mm. Whether or not that could be um, um, AML KYC on the investor onboarding side, um, or um, at the level of the AFM is having. Uh, dedicated uh, investment committee experience or whether or not it's from a depository uh, point of view where we assist some of our clients as well. So I think using a service provider uh, can make the life of a uh, small asset manager much easier so they can focus on what they're good at, portfolio management or fundraising uh, and all back office related work can be uh, can be taken care of by JTC. Um, and so far, at least what we have seen with uh, with our clients is that is uh, that's very much appreciated. Excellent. Yeah, maybe maybe I can just add something to this. You know, I I think that um, you know fund managers that uh, that simply see uh, the administrative services as a necessary evil. You know, it's very difficult to convince them. Uh, you know that they need to spend money on the services uh, that you know again that they can't do them themselves. That, that, that's a difficult you know question. So what we tend to focus on is 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 adding value. You know the you know the belief that you know in each of our service lines, whether it's AFM depository or or, or central fund admin uh, services, we're actually adding value to the clients that we have uh, you know technical expertise that we can really. Uh, you know, used to you know good advantage for for our clients themselves that we're that we're able to assist them in many different ways that they you know, in most cases themselves have not even thought of before, and and so you you asked you know how we turn around the conversation is really to focus on that value add proposition. Absolutely, and and leave them to uh, to focus on on the LPs and, and the strategy and uh, and actually marketing their fund, which absolutely makes sense. Um, I'm I'm afraid we're going to uh, need to wrap this up, gentlemen. Um, thank you very much uh, to you both for for sharing your thoughts on this, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll catch up some of the time as well. Thank you, and thank you all for listening. We will be back soon with a fresh episode. So in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and you can keep an eye out for new episodes on Uncle.com, of course. See you soon.